welcome to Professor Dave Debates. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Today we have a particularly fascinating episode for anyone who is interested in electric cars, the way they work, the future of electric cars, uh, or futurism in general. As many of you know, I'm particularly fascinated with futurism. I love talking about it. I love talking about technology, where technology is going. Sometimes I have the ability to follow along, sometimes not so much. In this episode, we're going to dive into a lot of engineering-based topics, which I know nothing about, so I did learn a lot here. And to help us with this topic is our guest, Jill Pestana. She is a materials physicist working as a senior scientist developing lithium-ion batteries for electric vehicles. So she is definitely an authority on electric car batteries. So with Jill, we're going to break this topic down. We start out just by talking a little bit about batteries in general, because these, I think, are things that that tend to mystify the, the, the public, myself included. I mean, I know a bit about electrochemistry, of course, but anytime we get into materials, materials and engineering, I, I, I get lost really quickly. So uh, I wanted for us to, uh, to, for my benefit and the benefit of the listener, to talk a little bit about batteries in general and then transition into electric car batteries. What is going on in those? What are we working on? What kind of materials are we using? Uh, and then we pontificate a little bit on the future of electric cars and the future of cars in general, uh, self-driving cars and these types of things. Um, you know, I, I just can't resist. I love talking about this kind of stuff. So I had a a lot of tangential questions uh, to uh, that we that we get into here, but uh, this is definitely a great one if you are interested in electric cars, if you're thinking about getting an electric car, or if you're wondering when we may transition as a civilization to predominantly electric cars, which we do, uh, Jill and I both believe is going to happen in the not so distant future. Uh, so, without further delay, let's get into this episode about the future of car batteries. to Irvine to to give that talk. So I definitely want to thank you for for arranging that. Oh um, yeah, that had such a blast. Uh, do you, do you did you hear any feedback? Do you know if the students ended up thinking that that it was helpful or? I mean, I just heard like in the afterward after right. you spoke, everyone was just talking about the topics you were touching on in the right. talk. And yeah. I think that kind of your voice coming into such an academic mm-hmm. research institution, they don't hear much, many people outside of the academic right. Just a setting. weirdo like me kind I of mean, thing. <laughs> not super weirdo, yeah. but it was yeah. it's nice to have a different perspective. Yeah, everyone seemed engaged. I, I've been reaching out to other UC schools to try to do this oh, more. Awesome. I'm not, haven't really been getting, uh, been having a lot of luck, uh, securing that, but who knows, you know, maybe in the future. Oh yeah, totally. But, uh, anyway, we, yeah, we were supposed to, uh, do this down there. We didn't get a chance to, so I'm, I'm glad you were able to come by yeah, to, thanks to have for this having talk me. now. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for making the, making the trip. Um, so, right. So, so you work with batteries, you're doing research, uh, re- regarding batteries. So obviously we're going to be talking a lot about what you do specifically, but I think just as a preface, uh, as a preface, both both for my listeners uh, and for me myself, because it's actually not really a very strong area of mine. Like I know a little bit about this type of chemistry, uh, uh, but uh, my my understanding of, of material science and, and, and industry, like I just I, I really don't have it. So I thought it might be nice to just sort of go over the very basics of like how sure. batteries work in general, and then like how car batteries work 
in general, and then we'll kind of th- then we'll all be equipped, myself included, to uh, to understand you a little more when you talk about what what it is that you do. Totally. So let's go from the beginning. Let's uh, from the beginning. History of batteries. History about Alessandro Volta. 18, what did he do? Yeah. Back in eighteen, yeah. you know, people yeah. were experimenting with frog legs, exactly. looking at electrochemistry. Yeah. However, um, however you want to frame it, you know, it can be the abbreviated version. But uh, sure, yeah. I'm not super well versed in the history, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many different types of batteries. And day to day, you interact with the AA batteries. You interact with your lead acid batteries in the cars, traditional ICE cars. Yeah, we're using them every day. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's one of those fields where you don't really know it exists. Mm -hmm. You know, I tell people, oh, I'm a battery scientist. And they think, oh, people study batteries? I thought it was just something that you buy at CVS and then it works and nobody knows how it works because it's clearly magic. It is really one of those perfect examples of, of how technology is indistinguishable from magic if you don't really understand how it works you know Seriously. it's this magic little pill that uh is power you know and and it's also one of those things i've seen in sci-fi movies that take place like thousands of years in the future mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the plot twist happens and the battery dies in the device and i think right right i have my job security you know even in this right. fantasy world yeah. you have batteries that die or don't work when you want them to exactly we're always going to need power for all of our futuristic devices and and, and uh you know if even if it's not a particular type of battery it will always be some other new type of battery using some other material <laughs> and uh yeah you've definitely found uh, a very good you're going to be safe for another uh, couple centuries probably until we can figure out how to how to put a fusion device oh. in a in in something that fits in the palm of your hand you know isaac asimov <laughs> did talk about atomic batteries so. right right yeah which uh I, I i would certainly not rule out of the realm of possibility but we're talking about you know a couple thousand years oh, yeah, probably yeah. in the future <laughs> not so not quite working on that <laughs> exactly if we are even alive at that time i mean if humans are even alive at that time but uh so yeah just kind of the the the, the breakdown what's what's going on in these little things yeah so we all know they store energy mm-hmm. and they store energy in the form of chemical energy mm-hmm. right um so we call a battery say a lithium ion battery because lithium ions are the the ion that transports between the electrodes inside of the battery mm-hmm. and you can picture a battery is kind of like a sandwich mm-hmm. you have these layers of materials and both sides of battery it's anode and it's cathode actually store the lithium in one or the other so when you're charging a battery the ions migrate from a cathode material to the anode material. And then when you're discharging it, they migrate from the anode to the cathode. Mm -hmm. So you can picture as electric current is flowing, you're getting the movement of ions inside of the battery. So, so it's kind of, I mean, we're, we're talking about spontaneous flow of charged particles, right? They're, it, it, we're just talking about we're using the electromagnetic force pretty much right it's just these are is it is it kind of like how water is just flowing down a, a river and then if you stick a water wheel in there water wheel is going to start turning just do the spontaneous motion of the water we're just kind of like u- using the, the 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 energy inherent in the motion of these particles right the spontaneous Exactly. Exactly. The ions want to be in one side of the material and they don't want to be in the other. Um, It's a chemical potential Mm -hmm. that is a driving force in those systems. And we just sort of harness that. Yes. Harness the energy. It's it's amazing. I mean, the the notion that we figured out this kind of stuff and we just can utilize it to, 
you put it in a remote control and do, do these uh, mundane things with this incredible power. Yeah. But um, okay, so so, uh, so okay, so that that's sort of like the, the the guiding principle of the concept of a battery. What tell us about some of these types? You were referencing some different types of batteries. What what is, is like a little bit different about some of these different types? So. You can think of the different types of batteries for different applications. Mm -hmm. So for some like AA batteries, you don't need a high energy density or a high power output. That's why you put a bunch in series in any kind of device you use, right? You don't use one, you use four. Mm -hmm. And Mm so um, that uses a specific type of energy. Um, It could be like nickel cadmium based. And then there's batteries like in your car. Um, historically it's been lead acid batteries Mm -hmm. and then now we're seeing lithium ion batteries being used in electric vehicles and -hmm. the reason those are being used is because you have a lot of energy density in a small volume whereas maybe for a stationary storage battery battery you can use a material like lithium titanate which has a lower energy density so the battery can be big because it's just sitting out Mm -hmm. outside you know you don't have to it's not as inconvenient exactly doesn't need to be compact for any particular reason exactly so Mm -hmm. there's definitely a specific reason why each battery chemistry is used for its specific application Mm -hmm. okay so how does a car battery differ yeah specifically so car batteries typically have a graphite anode and a high nickel content cathode material and these materials have that high energy density that are needed for, you know, to drive as fast as you can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, so there, it's, I mean, we are used to a car having a battery that is used in, I mean, the car has an engine, of course, too. So when we're, to, what, what, I guess this is a good way to segue into your research because we're trying to look at, we're looking at sort of the, the, the wave of the future here. We're looking at cars that simply have uh, a battery and don't utilize gasoline. So what, uh, what is it um, about that type of car battery that enables a car to, to, to run that sure. way? Yeah, so right now, as I said, we use a graphite, typically anode. And graphite is a two-dimensional intercalation material, which Mm -hmm. basically means that the lithium ion can only go into it in two dimensions. And so when you're talking about fast charge, like people want to charge their vehicle in five minutes, just Mm -hmm. the same as we do a gas-powered vehicle. But in order to do that with graphite, you're going to cause issues if you charge it really fast because the lithium won't have time to diffuse into that graphite structure. Mm-hmm. And so there poses a problem. You know, how do we solve this problem? How can we do fast charge? And graphite can't store as much lithium as you may want to store. And so that's why in my work, like we're looking at other materials that can store even more lithium inside of the battery, inside mm-hmm. of the anode material. And we're doing this by using other materials like silicon. Okay, okay. So I kind of get it because I, I know what graphite is. I know that we've, we're, we've got those sheets, flat yes. sheets. So you're saying that the lithium ions are literally stored like in between yeah. those sheets. Okay, that's very interesting. It's kind of like um, you heard the story of the princess and the, the, the peas. The pea and the, okay. It's like the mattresses right. with the peas inside. And <laughs> a certain number of peas can fit in between each layer of exactly. mattress. Exactly. Uh, and so, yes, this is sort of a, yeah, yeah, flat uh, sheets that are being stacked. And so what is different? different about the silicon structure is that more similar to like a diamond like structure or 
Yeah, silicon. Yeah. yeah, you know the crystal structure of silicon. Well, no, like. I didn't. I guess oh. I, I just know that that diamond is another allotrope of carbon that yeah. is that sort of has that tetrahedral structure. So I wasn't sure if silicon w- was a little more like that. I, I, maybe I knew that. I don't remember. <laughs> but uh, okay, so using silicon, and so what? Lithium ions just kind of stick in all the little, all the little exactly. holes, all the little grooves. So there, you can match more lithium per silicon atom. Okay. And it can the lithium can diffuse or alloy with the silicon in a three-dimensional um, pattern mm-hmm, versus mm-hmm. just two-dimensional for mm-hmm. graphite. So you can lithiate it much faster. Great. So we have a higher density of lithium ions. Higher density and okay. faster charge. Okay, okay. And so how does that enable us to, uh, ha- to, to, to not have to use gasoline, I suppose, is, is what most people would want to know, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, you think about the customer requirements for a vehicle, mm-hmm. right? Especially in a state like where we are in California, people like to go on road trips. Yeah. And they're thinking, you know, can I travel from the Bay Area to L.A. Mm-hmm. on one take of gas or right. one charge? On one charge, And yeah. so it's about... How long can I go on one battery? And also, if I do need to stop and charge it, how long is that going to take me to charge it? Mm-hmm. So we want that fast charge capability. So it's not really so much that battery technology was incapable of allowing a car to drive. It's just that the the efficiency and the power of a battery was not sophisticated enough yet that you could actually use it and drive far. And mm-hmm. the cost. And the cost. The cost. Okay, yeah. If it's going to be 10 times more expensive than gasoline, then this is not a practical solution, Yeah, I mean, some people can buy that million-dollar electric vehicle, but not all of us can. And what would be, uh, just for bragging rights, I mean, just to be like, (laughs) I can afford, it's like the supreme of, uh, you know, of uh, vehicles. But, um, okay, so so we're just innovating the battery to the point where it is now economical and efficient enough Exactly. We can do it. Exactly. In fact, I just saw this news article back in the early 1900s, electric vehicles existed. Right. And they were marketed towards women as being like less complicated than Uh gas powered cars. So a woman could drive it. And the campaign didn't really work, but I was like, this is like a bit sexist. Are you a woman that doesn't know how to operate a (laughs) gas pump? (laughs) We've got the solution for you. It was pretty ridiculous. And I was a little offended, but also I was like, how much did it cost? I mean, I, I it must know. have been a hundred thousand dollar car. Or something, I mean, picture. Right? I mean, those cars looked like a carriage without a horse. Right. You know, I don't know how much those cost back. That's in a little the day. bit absurd. So electric vehicles have been around a while, right. but yeah. as far as consumer drive for it, I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of a pun, right? The, yeah. The drive. <laughs> the drive for it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but now obviously things are turning around. Uh, large due to innovation with the material but also uh uh you know uh, uh environmental concerns oh yes so what are i mean um well, this, I mean, I have many questions that are probably outside of your field. Like, I, I want to know about like how this how how this would affect emissions. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like if if we think of all the carbon emissions in the world, what fraction are due to personal automobile use? You know what I mean? I I, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder that too. And you know, as a scientist, that's one thing. It's hard because there's so many data sources out there mm-hmm. and I want to be thorough and really get down to you know how did they get these statistics and yeah. it can be really it's hard even for scientists who are in the field to interpret are, are batteries actually decreasing carbon emissions 
mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and because you think of the whole life cycle analysis. And, you know, it's funny because you see life cycle analyses of cars and there's one that was performed that found that Hummers were more economically like or more um, environmentally friendly than Priuses. But the way that they came to their conclusion was they said, oh, well, the lifetime of a Hummer is about eight years and you would need two Priuses to make up one lifetime of a Hummer. So it's actually a two to one. (laughs) You know, so it's it depends how well you as though this. a Hummer is only double the emissions of a Prius. That's still probably pushing it. I mean, Ex- yeah. But it is also a little bit dishonest. But I mean, to to speak to I mean, two things. Number one, we would we would obviously assume that it would reduce emissions. We just don't know if it is by neg- negligible or an appreciable amount. But also, there are people who you know, I, I hear a lot of conservative talking points, and they say like, oh well, the emissions at the factory to generate the batteries or blah 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 it offsets any reduction of uh you know emission in the in the driving of the car i don't know if you have yeah. heard such talking points i mean is there any validity to this or um i think the whole process of developing these batteries and then putting them in vehicles there's a lot of mystery because there's a lot of competition for mm-hmm. what's actually going inside of the battery mm-hmm. and the processes are often trade secrets so when it comes to doing these analyses about emissions, you have to get this insider information and it's just not available to everyone. Right. Yeah. So it's hard to do these analyses, though. I do think with the current pressures from like the Paris Climate Agreement, as well as other environmental regulations, that more and more companies are making this own effort internally mm-hmm. to do this investigation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think another really interesting factor, though, you know, you can you can analyze the industrial processes all you want. But uh, uh, an interesting side effect, imagine if 100% of personal automobiles uh, were 100% electric, if we could just flip that switch overnight. Imagine what would happen to, uh, to you know, to oil and, and, and uh, I mean, imagine that there is zero demand for gasoline. <laughs> for cars for cars i mean what would this do to global economics i mean i have no idea but it can't be nothing i mean this would be a very big this would be a very big change in terms of the, the, the you know obviously the demand for gasoline and therefore the demand for oil i mean i feel like this would have a ripple effect in 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 foreign policy even you know what i mean i i can't even imagine this the the magnitude of of this kind of paradigm shift where Americans no longer require gasoline yeah. at all. You know what I mean? And you know what the experts are saying these days is that by 2030, mm-hmm. we will reach peak oil. And so the demand for oil is going to decrease after 2030. When you say peak oil, you mean peak demand? Or peak what demand. It, okay. You, I, you don't, I would have thought we had already been there for a long time. <laughs> I mean, previously the graphs showed that it was just going to be an exponential growth, you know, with oh. with uh, developing countries like population growth and all that, because mm-hmm. it follows, you know, correlated sure. population growth. Essentially. OK, so, yeah, you're just seeing more people and, and also third world nations becoming industrialized yeah. and stuff like that. OK, so, OK, that, that makes sense. But there's so much push for renewable energy sources. Right. That mm. by 2030, they're forecasting that that peak oil demand may go down Will maybe eclipsed yeah i mean it, it always really confuses me because it's like i get that you're a big oil tycoon and this is how you make all your money but like can't you just like invest you know a billion dollars in renewables and make a bunch of money off that like you can still get rich off of this other thing too yeah. you know like i just don't it's hard to it's hard to fathom but um 
Yeah, no, I, 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 I do. I am somewhat of an optimist, so you know, I do feel that uh, you know other countries are ahead of America in terms of putting those incentives in place to to you know push economies that way. But I, I just I don't. I'm not as pessimistic as as some that think just uh, you know the oil and then and then climate is going to kill us and then we're all going to die. <laughs> I think it's going to work out, but it will. It does take a concerted effort. On everyone, on on uh, on on the part of many, I, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So, um, where are we at in that timeline with electric cars and electric car batteries? Like, do you have any projections as to where where the batteries will be in the next ten years? How many people will start kind of switching over? Is is this trend going to continue? Is it going to sort of uh, stagnate, or what, what do you think about that? Well, I think the United States is kind of an outlier compared to a lot of other developed countries. Mm-hmm. Um, in Europe, you see that city centers are already, you have to pay extra if you drive a gas-powered vehicle in certain locations, oh, like in like in a, London. Like a toll or something? Exactly. Or how do they do it? <laughs> Ex- yeah, I honestly, I don't really know how it works, but... I've never heard of that. That's yeah. crazy. So we're seeing a shift. Um, the, the Right now, at a lot of major automakers, the last internal combustion engine car programs are ending and they're mm-hmm. fully going electric vehicle yeah i did hear I, I i don't like cars and i don't know anything about cars which makes it a really difficult every time i need to get a new car i just leased another uh volkswagen and i do remember the the the, the salesperson saying something like that how they were just like it's like it's all switching over yeah everyone's like really heavily moving in that direction yeah but people in the united states who love their gas-powered cars like they also Mm -hmm. don't have to worry because as long as that market exists as long as those people exist they're gonna have a gas-powered car that's not gonna go away from the united states but i suppose that will shift the burden will shift largely to american companies probably right i mean if european and asian companies are not really manufacturing those anymore and by the way those are by far the better cars you know (laughs) what i mean i feel like it's hard to hard to deny uh yeah i mean yeah I, there, there's no doubt that no matter how quick the progress is there will always be some subset that is going to cling to yeah to the old ways but um yeah i don't know it's interesting i i, I heard somewhere an interesting quote i don't even remember who said it but uh they say that uh empires rise and fall on an energy source hmm. you know like uh you could say, uh, well, what would you say for Rome, ancient Rome? I don't know. Maybe you could say slavery even for Egypt or something. But um, but for for America, it's clearly kind of coal and oil and <laughs> sort of that post World War II industrial boom. And uh, I don't know. Maybe the maybe the empire, the American empire, is drawing to a close. I don't know. I I don't know either. Yeah. No <laughs> comment. I don't. Know. I don't know. It might be China's turn. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm rooting for America, but at the same time, I can't deny that we've uh, we've really screwed ourselves. We've made a lot made a lot of bad decisions here in the past uh, 50 years, I think. But um, anyway, but the irony though is that I mean, do do you think a lot of the uh, research in this field is America a leader? in this type of research, if not in implementing the technology, at least uh, the research to, to advance it? 
So that's what I find really interesting is that, you know, most of the battery manufacturers are overseas. Mm -hmm. They have large plants, battery plants, and they are starting to build some in the U.S. And actually, so NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, Mm -hmm. no longer exists, right? Mm -hmm. But we're drafting or they've established the United States, Mexico, Canada agreement. And this under this agreement. So even though the Trump administration is kind of, you know, they haven't acted too much on environmentally friendly things or sustainability, like they dropped out of the Paris agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they're taking a stance that way, they're focused on job creation. And a huge area of job creation in the United States historically has been cars. Right. And auto so, in, yeah, auto industry. Yeah. And so currently under what was under NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement mm-hmm. was that the majority of parts in a car had to be from the United States, had to be built in the United States for it to be considered uh, an American built vehicle, obviously the major components. So like the motor, the engine, the chassis, you know, these key parts now under the new agreement, one of those major parts are the batteries. Okay. And so we've actually seen over the past year, Billions of dollars being spent, invested in infrastructure to do battery research and battery production in the United States. Okay. Yeah, it is it, it is always curious to me. I mean, yeah, America still somehow remains to be at the forefront of almost every area of research, at least. You know what I mean? Even if it isn't always implemented within our society as well as in Europe or other countries. But, uh, but so, I mean, yeah, so, so you you do this kind of research is what you're doing. Let, let's dig into that. Tell us a sure. bit about precisely what you do, what your group does. Um, what is, uh, your, your advisor, your, 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 you're a PhD student, you're working under somebody. No, sorry. You remind me again. So I work at a company. Oh, okay. And just, I won't say the company in this oh, okay. podcast. It's I, a- I envisioned you working at UC Irvine, so I, I, I must have, uh, yeah, misremembered exactly. Yeah, and just to be clear, like my views and opinions are not that of my company, okay. so I just want to mm-hmm. say that to be clear on that front. Um, so I'm a research scientist. Uh, my title is senior staff scientist, mm-hmm. and my day to day is researching different materials and whether they work well in batteries. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also working on with a customer. So I'm working with an automaker to try mm-hmm. to figure out if we can put our batteries in their vehicles. So it's, it's amazing being at this company and f- simultaneously doing the research to develop the batteries, but mm-hmm. also the battery I develop can be in a vehicle. Wow. So you're, you're working on the theoretical and the practical. You're yes. really doing both. So let's talk about both. I mean, uh, so starting with the theoretical, what exactly goes into your thought process? I mean, are you, do you have a periodic table on the wall and you throw a dart and you go, all right, let's try strontium or, like, you know, let's try uh, 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 ruthenium. You, you know? know, I haven't tried that, but yeah. I think I might have to just do that with my coworkers. Might as well be just as uh, effective. <laughs> So, yeah, what kind of properties do you look for in an element or in a material, in some substance? What is it? I mean, are you looking at reduction potentials? Are you trying to, uh, how, what, what are you examining? Sure, yeah. For, I mean, a big part is the chemical stability, mm-hmm. the electrochemical stability. Will it react inside of the battery when I don't want it to react. Okay, yeah. Because I only want certain chemical reactions to happen right. or else I lose efficiency. Mm-hmm. It's got to so, be able to do chemistry, but it can't be doing too much chemistry. Yeah. It has to do the right amount of chemistry. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Okay. 
So that's a huge factor. Another huge factor is cost. Mm -hmm. So it has to be cost effective. I don't want to put a bunch of platinum inside of a battery. Right. How rare is the material? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And in general, there's a lot of resources online and um, publications from academia that give you kind of um, creative inspiration Mm -hmm. as far as directions to go, tests to try. So you're looking to the literature, you're looking at the chemists, you're looking in the material scientists that are sort of doing a little bit of the legwork on here are some materials that there are and here are some of their properties and what they do. More in like not necessarily the materials they use, Mm -hmm. but the processes they use to analyze the materials to find the right ones to put inside. Because our chemistry system our battery chemistry is so unique Mm -hmm. and that's why it's so great like we're at the forefront of the battery research wave Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so we are having to innovate and we're trying to do things that nobody else has done before Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so it it is a lot of creativity it is a lot of understanding the fundamentals of the science involved right and trying to just work with that as best you can test your hypotheses you know the scientific method as much as you can yeah that's great. I mean, that means that there's that must be exciting because there's a lot at stake because anybody has the opportunity to potentially innovate the technology, cut the cost in half or something, and then you've got this whole new market. Every time that uh, that you scientists innovate the technology and you bring the cost down, then you're you're increasing the proportion of the of the population that is going to have access to that technology. You know, you got a hundred thousand dollar electric car. Now, what's the cheapest electric car right now? It's got to be in the twenty in the twenties, yeah, thousands, right? So it's something that is now finally a reality for the middle class. Yeah, you know, and that yeah. is a game changer. Anytime you you know, although the middle class is is dwindling, but uh, hopefully we'll be back. But I mean, uh, yeah, it 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 really is. It really is invigorating to to think that way. Just like wow. So so okay. So tell us about the practical side. How are you interacting with the client? Um, what sort of feedback are you getting that guides your further research? I don't know how much I can talk about this. Ah, okay. If we're if we're going to tiptoe around some stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wish yeah. I could share more. It's unfortunately a very competitive field. That's so. fair enough. Yeah. Which it was my whole agenda. I'm <laughs> I'm going to sell this info to the competitor. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I yeah, I totally get that. Uh, I, but it, I, but I, I will say that I think it's really neat to be collaborating with you know, just I, I not only collaborate with other like automakers, people who want our batteries, but also with other companies who are trying innovative things. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool to batteries are so interdisciplinary. That's what attracted me to them. Right. There's physics, there's chemistry, exactly. there's uh, yeah. engineering, material engineering, science. Yeah. I think that's the main reason I don't understand it is because I know nothing about engineering. I mean, really, truly nothing. <laughs> so like the physics and the, the chemistry I get and the physics to an extent, but like anytime there's like materials and machinery, it's just my understanding is out the window. I, like I seriously need to brush up on well, some I admire, engineering content. I admire your organic chemistry knowledge because that you. is one class I've never <laughs> taken and I'm like self-taught. So that's it's funny though because when you were ta- when we were talking about choosing materials, I immediately thought of like organometallic catalysis where we where we pick uh, we pick certain transition metals to try to make these complexes that will that will promote these certain transformations. But even there, it to me again, I think that organic chemists are just sort of 
throwing darts at the periodic table. Here's what here's what ruthenium does. Here's what what uh, you know what platinum does. What palladium does. And it's just how how do you know what these things are going to do? How do you know what this tin complex is going to do? How do you know what this you know? It's just it's so mind-boggling once we started to expand our chemical knowledge from sort of the basic you know uh, you know or, or organic materials into this this unknown territory that is all of those transition metals uh it's just it's a lot it's a lot to think about just to get a little more of an understanding what is your day-to-day look like like where are you standing or sitting or do are you at a bench or are you at a desk oh with my a computer God. or what, what are you doing you'll never believe this it's the most exciting thing that has ever happened okay. to me <laughs> That's an exaggeration, but I just got a standing desk. A standing desk. Okay. A standing desk. I have seen these, so I know what that is. And it's it's amazing. My back no longer hurts, but um, I do for the most part stand or sit at a desk. Okay. Um, but I do work in a lab too. Okay. And what's cool is my company is located near a major research university, and so I actually use a lot of different microscopy techniques over there, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. scanning electron microscopy, transmission electron microscopy. To look at the components of, yeah, the, of the, the battery. Yeah, exactly. So I'm my travel is to go over to these other laboratory facility. Oh yeah. wow! Okay, so you get to go around because you're you're looking at at everybody's technology and you're kind of comparing or, or what, what are you just looking for at? our own material development mm-hmm. and for to look at different experiments we do we can investigate we can open up the batteries and look at the materials inside mm-hmm. of them and see you know how they degraded or how they aged you know what caused the battery failure right. yeah how is this going is this going to be a viable technology uh, yeah okay so basically everybody's trying their own different things and you're sort of assessing the the yeah, yeah. the the yeah the validity of it, and so you, when you're at your standing desk, this is uh, this is way. So, but do you? Because uh, I, I sit all day long. I sit oh, all day no. long, and I look at a at a computer screen, and it's not bad. I think my my IKEA chair needs an upgrade. It's been about three years. The 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 bottom is sort of worn, and I keep oh, yeah. sliding forward. Oh. I need a new chair. When we, we're gonna move in a couple of weeks, and I, I need, I'm gonna get a new chair. Yeah, get your, treat yourself. But I cannot say that I would want to stand that. That whole time do you kind of alternate do you stand sit stand sit or well I sit in meetings and okay. so I am sitting it for part of the day it's not the whole day mm-hmm. but I find it's I'm, I'm just more energized it's been one week so yeah. I mean maybe over time I'll sit back down but mm-hmm. for now I'm loving it okay well that's uh, you hear you heard it here first uh go to standingdesk.com get 10 percent off <laughs> Enter the code, Professor Dave. I gotta get, start getting some sponsors I on know. this thing, man. I need some. I need some. Uh, <laughs> my friends are telling me because I like posted it on my Instagram. I was just like, oh my god, got this standing desk and it's mm-hmm. changed my life. And okay. People are like, you need to get sponsored. Like, you, you you know uh, what you what uh, uh, the, I think the treadmill desk maybe <gasps> could be quite the craze. Oh. Oh man. To me though, it's just like I I don't know what everyone's doing on their computer. Like if you're watching things or you're kind of just point and click on a mouse a little bit kind of a person, that might work the the stand, you know, the treadmill and or at least the standing. Whereas for me, um, I'm furiously on the keyboard with the keyboard shortcuts and the clicking and the dragging yeah. and the, you know, I'm doing so much that just like Standing already sounds tough, but then like moving my legs, it it would just cut my productivity yeah. in half, at least. So. And I feel like I have to look at like look at big Excel data sheets, you know, exactly. with like the little fine boxes with the little letters right. in them, and like walking you're and walking trying to the, yeah, look at that, just, like 
whole view is blurry. It just seems to defeat the purpose. I think it's just a shtick. It's just uh, get fit without ever exercising because you're accidentally exercising the whole time you're at work. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's that's working in the office for you. But um, okay, so so I think we we're okay. So you're you're thinking about materials. You're going to sites and you're examining the materials that have been implemented in the batteries. So I think we're getting an understanding of. Uh, I mean, obviously, I would still need to know a lot more about uh, engineering and, <laughs> and these things to be able to comprehend the specifics about each battery. But um, just to to, to kind of close, I like I I want to keep going with this speculation because I, I have I have like my futurism bent. Okay, you know, I love it, to. Know. Well, no, I just uh, I love I I love talking about the future. I just love talking mm-hmm. about like what what society is going to be like. And so we talked a little bit about implementation. I don't remember if we did do, do you, uh, talk about like if you have any projection for if and when you think we'll be a hundred percent electric. Um, uh, and then, uh, I think driverless cars should be talked about too. Not oh, that that's yes. really related to what you do, but, but I, but I think that, uh, there's a, there is a push for all of these features, right? We're, if we're talking about, um, you know, implementing the electric battery, we're talking about driverless is another feature that we're looking to be implemented in the future. What do you see as the future cars over the next 10 years, 50 years? What do you think is going to be going on? Oh man, this is a good question. Mm-hmm. I mean, you need you need electric cars in order to have autonomous driving. Mm-hmm. You can't have autonomous driving gas-powered vehicles. Right. How are you going to you're going to need you're going to need uh the the robot at the uh at the gas station too. <laughs> if you do that, you're going to need uh, yeah, uh, 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 yeah, personless uh, yeah, automated gas filling, which is that's a whole other problem, so I mean, yeah. I feel like a lot of things are if you throw enough money at it, it'll happen. Right. And I think that's what's happening with autonomous vehicles. There's mm-hmm. lots of investments going in. And a lot of the companies aren't profitable right now that do ride shares. And so those companies, of course, oh, want to transition to... Uber is going to be all over that thing. Yeah. It is going to... And and the wave of unemployment <laughs> that is going to occur is going to be yeah that's i mean or just th- this is something that i mean i i drove uber myself for six months when i couldn't figure out what i could do it's uh it's yeah you yeah there's gonna be a lot of people that are gonna be pretty bummed about that but um that's why i'm trying to i, I usually drive lift i try to like keep the competition Balance going it. yeah <laughs> we don't need any monopoly the lesser of the two evils no it's not an evil thing <laughs> well yeah i mean yeah progress is not inherently evil no. certainly but i think monopolies have have a, a potential to be evil i i like to keep uh comp- you know competition within within any certain uh, sphere economic sphere but um but yeah i mean yeah certainly uber's gonna be all over that obviously truck the the trucking industry will be all over that i mean both oh, yes. in terms of f- efficiency and safety mm-hmm. um so do you i mean this is something when was the first time we ever heard about driverless cars it's got to be about 10 years ago at this point right i mean it's been some time i know that the google car had been you know has been driving around nonstop for for years now right and they're sort of uh making adjustments and and um yeah any projections about that because i can't wait i don't want to drive at all i just know that uh, some of the up startup companies that are doing these car developments electric car 
developments, mm-hmm. they their biggest problem isn't the battery. It's the self-driving capability, the autonomous driving capability. Yeah, of course. They're, Batteries are like, they're like, whatever, you know, we'll get that. By but, the time we're ready with this, that'll be plenty <laughs> exactly. innovated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there's a lot of innovation going right now on right now in regarding to radar technologies. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not part of this field but those kind of like gps sort of a thing more like to detect the surroundings oh sure sure yeah yeah of course different cameras um different sensing technologies so i'm i don't know too much about autonomous driving vehicles in the current state of the art but it definitely in the future i think we won't most people won't have vehicles i mean most people are moving to live in city centers that's just where the jobs are Uh uh that's where the housing is and so as you get more and more people in these cities, transportation is going to be an issue. Right. And a solution for that, that a lot of companies are peddling is saying, you know, there'll be a 24 hour autonomous driving service that'll be all electric vehicles. And people will just like you call up an Uber today or a Lyft today, you can call up your autonomous vehicle mm-hmm. and it'll drive you and then it'll go refuel itself quickly, you know, with a fast charge. It'll be back on the road again. Wow. And and imagine if that was uh, you know part of, you know uh, paid by the tax dollar and everyone's just going anywhere they want for free all the time. It's, but I but I wonder though how I mean if we're if we're all in these large city centers, um, it, it's probably not the most efficient way moving two to four people at a time. Probably we're going to be more focused on something a little more similar to like what like a subway system or. Or, or trains or that kind of thing, I yeah, would imagine. And there's, yeah. you know, there's innovation going on with trains too. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a startup company that's working on trains that just hold, like each pod holds a couple passengers. Right. And so it can kind of drop off at a different station mm-hmm. and the rest of the train can keep going. So you're having less stops yeah. per the kind of the trip. mag the maglev type of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't Musk gonna do an LA to San Francisco? The Hyperloop? Yeah, which was going to be like 40 minutes. I was like, oh, please. That would be so nice. I would love to just go to San Francisco for the day. That'd be crazy. I still live there for a little while. I I loved it. I want to go. That'd be so cool to just pop over for for the day. Can you imagine? I can. (laughs) Well, I can't imagine being able to do that, but I cannot imagine what that ride would feel like. I mean, that's got to be the smoothest ride. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, you need to go uh, do research on all these things and then come back and report back. I'll, I'll work on, on it. Why we're, why we don't have maglev right now? <laughs> I want my magnetic levitation train right now. Right this <laughs> instant. Are they doing? I think they're doing one in Japan or something. I don't know. They're doing this. This kind of stuff is happening. I just that's why I uh, yeah earlier I, said, I just I love futurism. I just I love science fiction and therefore I love futurism because it's my way of envisioning. Uh, reality in sort of a science oh, yeah. fiction uh, motif you know I sort of like to think about what we may have and then I just get really angry and jealous that I probably will be dead before we have a lot of that stuff and yeah you know, you know technology in and of itself is not evil but it has to do with right. who who's in power who is the one who's making the decisions mm-hmm. and it's going to be interesting to see how our current government officials and also different corporate powers who have you know they're making yeah. this future for us um, what they're going to choose and who's going to have access to the technology will be mm-hmm. a huge thing to look out for. You know, it, it may not be the middle class. It may be the elite who, right. who have access to these autonomous vehicles, or it could be, 
you know, the middle class and or lower income people who have access to these vehicles. And, and the rich people do something better. <laughs> and they have, they're flying cars. Right. They're flying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ultimately, it's the economic and political systems in place that, uh, that, that dictate this kind of stuff. But uh, so, yeah, this year, I'm excited for this year. We'll see what happens. Uh, do you have any, uh, are you leaning one way or another? What, uh, we don't necessarily have to get into politics, but it, it is looming. Do you have uh, strong feelings about 2020 in the political arena? You know, like the presidential election, is, it's a crazy time to yeah. watch all that theatrics of yes. all the people racing. And um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Um, I'm more interested in the the power I do have as a citizen and how I can leverage that. Mm-hmm. And I think more and more, because nowadays versus in the in the past, cities are really connected. Like we have a great internet system where we can communicate just like that all mm-hmm. over the world. And so if we have more local based like people working on making positive change in our communities, I think we could get a lot more done than maybe going through the federal level. Yeah. So personally, I'm looking at getting involved in different organizations that are more grassroots in order to, you know, make positive change, yeah. maybe work as a science advisor for some of them. Like there's so much opportunity at the local level. Yeah. And I try to just pay attention to the things that I can control and, you know, let the, let the theatrics yes. play out. However, yeah, enough change at the local level everywhere simultaneously would spell a uh, very big change at the, at the, at the, at the federal level, at the national level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, whatever happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I feel like, you know, it's been a little bit of a haze politically for a while and we'll see, uh, if, if things can turn around, but, um, yeah, that's a, I think that's a good optimistic note to, <laughs> to leave off on, but, um, yeah, no, I d- a very, this is really cool work. You know, I'm, I'm definitely, I would love to, uh, if I'm in Irvine again, uh, pop in somewhere and oh, yeah. show me some of your, the, uh, definitely the microscopy. I would like oh, to yeah. look at the inside of a battery on the, you know, on the, what are we talking about? The nanometer scale oh, or my something. Gosh. Or, you know, you listeners, you tell Dave, mm-hmm. please go to Jill and she'll show you a transmission electron microscope Absolutely. and some really cool microscopy stuff. Yeah. Please, please convince Dave to come <laughs> do that. Cause I mean, it's, it's amazing. I feel really fortunate for where I work and what I do every day. It just makes me feel humbled, but also just like, you know, mm-hmm. we're such small things in this huge universe. And Yeah. To do something that is so fascinating, but unlike some, you know, rabbit hole in theoretical physics has immediate utility, you know, in a, in a growing industry. You know, it's, that's definitely, you got to get the best of both worlds. Yes. You're doing this, the hypothetical stuff, but you're like, boom that is now in that car and we're rocking yeah yeah hopefully next time we talk i can tell you what vehicle i'm working on and sure, hopefully okay. it's successful Once we get past the red tape yeah cool i look forward to it cool thanks for coming by thank you so much